0: This is Ashley Hodge with the Sikkim 365 podcast. We'll call this the final episode of Ring by Spring for this year. And there was no rings by spring, Kendall. Uh, Kendall Cow's joining me here. Kendall was in Denver. I made an appearance in Denver. Uh, Kendall, it was a, a sad ending to the season, but not all that surprising. At the end of the day, you know, the Bears were kind of what they were not the grittiest team in the world and uh, certainly uh, had some defensive inefficiencies and it showed up uh, quite a bit against Creighton. Uh, you want to put a little bow on the season that we'll talk about next year?
1: Sure. Actually, that sounds good to me. So pretty tired right now. I had a, a flight at 5 a.m. out of Denver. So because the Denver airport, now that Kansas city has a new one is America's worst airport bar none. <laughs> uh, I had to get up at two 50 a.m. today uh, to get to the airport. So pretty early day for me.
0: How long did it take um, you to get through security?
1: Oh, it probably took me like forty minutes. Yeah. Did It take you very long.
0: Well, I was in the afternoon, and um, it was it was only like a fifteen minute uh, line in the afternoon. But I but I heard that morning lines were pretty high because of spring break. A lot of a lot of travelers coming back from skiing, I guess, would be the logical. Okay, that
1: makes sense. Because yeah, there were a lot of families, and I was like, I was like, y- y'all brought your kids for a five a.m. flight? I don't know about this, <laughs> but um, I have no children. I don't I don't know how that works. Uh, what I do know or I think at least I know is a few things. Number one, to frame this all, what was always tough being really critical about this team that I think you give me like a fair pushback on is I just liked the dudes on this team. Yeah. And, you know, I liked Adam. I liked LJ. I liked key. I always loved talking to John. Um, I've enjoyed profiling Dale. Dale. Um, I really regret that. I didn't get the Keontae profile done. Like I'd really, I felt like built a rapport with him where I got some really good quotes um, in the locker room in Kansas city and in Denver. And we'd even talked about, Hey man, like, you know, we're gonna do this profile next week. You all be Creighton, and so that's sad. But that kind of leads to—it feels unfair to set the standard that if you finish the regular season AP top ten, if you easily make the tournament, if you're a number three seed, right? The accomplishments in 2010, 2012, 2017—that you felt even 2015 before the Georgia State loss, that you felt like, hey, these are really good expectations. You're happy. You just don't. There's something that you still, I think, will look back in a decade when people think about this team and feel like could they have done a little bit better? Yeah. And that's kind of mean. It's not fair, but I don't think it's going to be too long. I don't know if it'll be this year. I don't know if it'll be five years from now before John Jacobs and Al Brooks joining their open programs. Um, and I don't know Jared Nunes as well, but actually, I know you know him quite well. Uh, seems like a really smart guy to me from a distance. So I think you look at this staff too, kind of like that championship staff. And what I think added to the legacy of the championship team is we've seen how well Drum Tank's done at K-State. We know Scott Cruz's legacy. I think Jakus and Brooks are not long for... Baylor, whether that, I, I don't think they're going to be gone next year necessarily, but five years from now I think they'll be leading programs and doing quite well. So you have a really good coaching staff. You have a lottery pick in Keontae George. Maybe he falls later in the first round, but he's still a first-round pick. Adam Flagler put up a unanimous All-Big 12 season, one of only two guys along with Jalen Wilson. LJ Cryer drops 30 points in the final game of the year. Jalen Bridges had some awesome moments down the stretch in the season, and it's just not enough to get to where you wanted to go and make the second weekend. So I think that's what I'll always kind of look back on this year and feel like it's not 2020 where the season gets canceled, but they won 23 straight. It's just, I don't know if it was from the beginning, things just didn't quite click like they should have, but this season will always feel to me like, was there a little bit more on the table than what they got out of it? And again, that's unfair with how good the staff has been. That's unfair with how hard these guys worked, but just coming into the season, I thought this was a team that could national title. And I still kind of feel like if they could do the summer over again, or they could do everything else over again, Maybe things are a little different. I don't know, Ashley. Just, it feels like there was something on the table they didn't quite achieve. But, you know, Herm Edwards, you are what your record says you are. That's my takeaway. Now that you're back from Denver as well, <laughs> Ashley, what's yours?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously something was missing. I've, I'm sounding like a broken record because I've said it so many times. But, you know, the competitive fire just wasn't what it needed to be. I think um, defensively, they. I bet if they could do it all over again, they might change some things. You know it's it's interesting how we things evolve so quickly, especially in in the league play. You've got you know now five or six teams playing no middle defense, and you know Iowa State was the best at it this year. But Iowa State also went against that no middle defense every day, and obviously Baylor's version of no middle defense was an inferior version, and so uh, they were able to carve it up, and and then they go and play against Pitt, and you know. Would they score maybe thirty-one points in that game? I'm kidding. They scored something higher than that. But but you know they had trouble against Pitt, uh, a, a very mediocre team from the ACC that Xavier had no problem scoring against. Um, so my point is maybe it's time to zig when everybody else is zagging defensively. I think a lot of the problems are just uh, personnel related. I think next year we should be better. But you know the, the biggest you know elephant in the room is probably. Um, is, is it a, a wise strategy to be trying to mix in some of these five-star high-level high school guys with, uh, you know, proven college players? Um, it seems like that could could work, and it's worked for other programs, but not consistently. You know, the, the programs that have excelled, you know, have really gotten old, stayed old. And uh, certainly the ones that are left, you look around at at the Sweet Sixteen, and it and it seems to be kind of the formula minus Alabama. You know they got a special freshman there, uh, but to, you know I think I think that um, you know these are all questions that need to be debated off, off season among the staff, and uh, you know perhaps uh, some changes need to be made. You know roster wise as as you look forward, you know I, Adam was did an outstanding job this year as the primary ball handler, and uh, you know I think he's one of the best point guards in the country. Uh, but last night, um, you know, Ryan Nimbard really was the best, you know, ball handler distributor on the court. And and we just didn't make him uncomfortable. And so, you know, these are these are just um, all questions that need to be addressed in the offseason. And, uh, you know, I think it's disappointing. I, you know, I think the staff, the players will all tell you that they're disappointed they didn't make at least a Sweet 16. Uh, but it's hard to do, you know. So we, we don't need to be taking Sweet 16s for granted. Um, Ken, I don't know if you knew this, but um, John Rothstein – we talked about uh, TCU. <laughs> yeah, I know where and, you're going. With this
1: actually.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he said, TCU, this was the best team they've ever had. They were a national title contender. And, uh, you know, I thought, wow, they didn't make the Sweet 16 again this year. And I looked up when was the last time they made the Sweet 16. And it was 1968. And I think it was 1971 when the NCAA tournament started to overtake the, the importance of the NIT tournament. Uh, so they weren't even – they haven't even made the, uh, the Sweet 16 in the modern-day era when the NCAA – was, was far and away the best tournament out there. Uh, so it's hard to do, obviously, you know, because TCU uh, had a team that you thought on paper would be able to do it, go to Kansas and beat them by 20 plus, And, you know, they had some big wins, and, and they had Mike Miles healthy in the off season. But, uh, you know, Gonzaga took care of business, and Gonzaga's made eight straight. That's an incredible streak. That is remarkable. And some might say, well, yeah, it's because they're one or two seeds every year playing in a really soft conference, and then once they get to the Sweet 16 and they play a – a lower seed then they get thumped um maybe some truth to that but man it's hard to make the sweet 16 and, and very few programs make it consistently and, and certainly uh, there are a few out there that make it you know 50 60 percent of the time uh but you know i think scott drew's 33 34 percent making it you know to the sweet 16 so that's a pretty good track record when all when, when all said and done it's, i mean i'm saying since the programs got to a level where you would expect that or or hope for that i guess i should say so as you look I agree,
1: at... Ashley. There yeah, were a ahead. lot of good points there. Uh, one thing I did want to talk about, because I think that debate's really raged on Twitter, is should Baylor stay one and done? I think they should to a degree, and here's what I would say this. You look at Baylor's roster this year, I know Baylor really wanted to get Grady Dick. And even a couple of years ago, when I heard that Baylor thought they had a good chance to get Grady Dick, I was kind of like, well, the guy grew up a KU fan, all of his family went to KU, but his mom, uh, does this seem valuable? Well, imagine Baylor got Grady Dick, and then you've got Jalen... Grady Dick, Keontae, Adam, LJ, five guys to play four spots. Everybody gets a little bit more rest. You have a lot more shooting all the time. I think that would improve the team. Second thing, though, that's tough with the one-and-done era, though, is it does, and I think the point is good here, it makes it tough to both build for the future and build um, for the present. The guy that I really look at that would have helped this Baylor team, and I've mentioned this some in the past, but I really feel like if KJ Adams were at Baylor, he's a Texas guy, it seemed to me that there was a lot of interest in him coming to Baylor. It would have helped this team a lot. Like he is the Mark Vital type guy that I think Baylor would have gotten as much as KU's gotten out of him. They could have played faster. He really can switch. And they could have played a more effective defense. The challenge there is that well, you want to take Kendall Brown, and if you don't take Dale Bonner last season, we know when the injuries hit for LJ Cryer, well then you wouldn't have enough guards to succeed in the present. I think Baylor's gonna have to decide going forward. Do they want to get a little bit tougher about certain guys at the end of the bench, which if you do that, then your culture suddenly is a lot tougher that, hey, culture of joy may not exist if you tell somebody at the end of their freshman year, you're not good enough to play at Baylor, you should transfer, you want to have a scholarship. I know that's what Baylor doesn't want to do, but if you go the one and done route, because you have to develop guys as well, you can't have guys that you don't think are going to be impact players one or two years down the line. Your guys that you sit have to be guys like LJ Cryer that you know the next year or two they play are going to be immediate impact players they can't be guys, you know, aren't gonna play in the future. So I think that's where Baylor maybe needs to investigate if they're gonna stay one and done. You can take a KJ Adams if you're not having guys eat up scholarships that will never play. But that's a lot tougher culture that Baylor would have. And so season like this, I think you kind of explore everything, see where you want to go. But I'm if you put me down, I'd be teamed down for stay one and done. Jeremy Sohan, very valuable, Kendall Brown was still good. But you kind of have to investigate, do you look at the scholarships and get a little bit tougher with who keeps one for multiple years at a time? And secondly, I'm team no middle should go. I agree with you. The personnel kind of dictated this this season, in the same vein that no matter what defense Baylor ran with Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, Mark Vital, uh very athletic John a couple years ago, and Macy O'Teague with his wingspan and switchability, they would have been good running the one three one. They could have played a triangle in two. They could have full court press. They could have made any defense look good. But I think no middle has been figured out pretty well because everybody can pass side to side effectively, and half the country is running no middle now, so everybody's got their backdoor uh, cuts down. They've got the ability uh, to run different sets pretty effectively. I would like to see no middle go away. But I mean, those are kind of my two thoughts on those areas, Ashley.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think they're great points. And, you know, I think that that's, uh, I mean, the staff is outstanding. You know, the, these things are going to be debated. Uh, you know, if, if you, no middle may have been the problem, but I really think rim protection was the, the major problem, you know, we just didn't block many shots. Uh Flo got one, you know, yes, yesterday near the end of the game, may have ended up with two block shots, but you know, there wasn't really much of a threat of uh defending the rim and as a result uh we were three hundred and fifteenth in defensive efficiency at two point field goal percentage. I mean, you know, teams just got what they wanted against us and uh our block percentage was two eighty four. Uh those are pretty bad numbers. Um those are numbers that you might expect from a a team that's, you know, in the 200s or <laughs> 300s, uh, you know, not, not, a, not a team that's uh, got as many good athletes as Baylor does. So, so I do think, you know, getting back to uh, longer guards, uh, longer wings that, you know, and, and certainly, uh, you know, a, a, an athletic uh, shot blocking center. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. I, I think a healthy John obviously will make a big difference. You know, if he's able to be anywhere near as active as as he was before the injury, Josh Ojewuna, uh, you know, if he has a really great off season of development, uh, you know, assuming you know, I, I think John's a sure thing to come back, but uh, Josh, I don't know. You know, you know, I'm sure there's going to be other programs in his ear, but uh, hopefully he comes back and really buys into the development. Eve's Missy's coming. You know, he's a very bright prospect, but he's a, a freshman that's been reclassified to, you know, a year earlier. So I think you got to keep your expectations pretty reasonable with him. Uh, Jalen Bridges, uh, you know, showed he can be a great shot blocker and, you know, very effective at that. But but you're probably not going to expect more than one per game from him. Uh, but, you know, he's a guy that can help you a little bit there. Caleb is, is somebody who I, who I think can really improve in that area and, and be a little bit more, you know, rim defender. You know, to to your point earlier, you, you know, missing that Mark Vital, Rico Gathers, Ish Wayne Wright, Royce O'Neal, you know, gritty type forward that really did a lot of the dirty work. Um, I was hoping Caleb would be that and maybe he can be that, but uh seems like that's what's missing on the front court. Would you would you agree with that that you know we need a player that, you know, is more of that uh reckless, I'm gonna, you know, be one of the best offensive rebounders in the country, uh type of mindset.
1: Yes, and for Mark and Ish, those were just two incredible defenders. And so for Caleb right. to play that position, he has to just be an outstanding defender.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, um you know, I I think Caleb can be a really good uh rebounder. You know, he's he's I got potential to be an elite rebounder. Uh but uh yeah, you know, being able to move his feet and really he plays. He plays defense with his chest. He. I mean, I've seen him play outstanding defense. Um, so I think it's it's possible that we could see a pretty big jump there. But uh, hopefully, you know, I think uh, Jacoby Walter and Miro Little will come in with. Uh, I've heard it pronounced Myro. Have you have you heard people pronouncing it Myro? I need to get clarification. I feel on like
1: that. I've heard both. I just call him Mister yeah. Little. But I've,
0: heard, <laughs> I've heard both. Yeah, Langston. You know, hopefully everything's good with. Uh, You know, another year of recovery with the knee and and hopefully the eye heals, and and he's able to, you know, give us what we think we're getting from him. Um, It's going to be an interesting offseason. L.J. Cryer, you know, we've we've been talking about this on the message boards. You know, is L.J. going to come back and, and, you know, be the star at Baylor? You know, I'm sure with this new era of NIL, you know, somebody's going to pay him, offer him big money, I would think. You know, a guy that's averaged over 15 points a game, that's a proven score in college. Um, you know, I, I don't know, man. I like you look at North Carolina was probably number one in NIL payments. A lot of people don't know this, but they, they paid everybody on the roster, ridiculous amount of money. And look what that got them. I mean, you know, it's like Miami's in the sweet 16. They're the only really, the only program I can think of that really doled out, you know, big money for NIL that's, that's, you know, been able to make the sweet 16, maybe Arkansas, you could probably argue Arkansas too, but uh, you know, Illinois of the world, the Texas Techs of the world, you know, so many of these programs that invested so much in that uh, didn't even make it, you know, to this next weekend. So I know, you know, college kids sometimes don't care about that. They they care more about, you know, show me the money and, and show me what my pro future is. But, uh, you know, winning has benefits. And if you can win and, uh, you know, get to final fours, win national championships, then, uh, great things happen, and, and, you know, that's a legacy that, that lasts forever. Uh, so hopefully Baylor can find those guys that care about that. And, and uh, you know, if you have guys that, that care more about that than anything else, then then you have a potential to do some great things.
1: I agree. And I think back to watching the end of that Illinois-Arkansas game and just seeing Matt Meyer not even on the court in the final minutes of Illinois getting blown out by Arkansas. And I'm kind of like, you know, I Matt's I, I love talking to Matt. He's an interesting cat. But I kind of wonder deep down if he would either think, you know, I should have just come back to Baylor for one more year. I should have just gone pro and seen what could have happened because right. it just kind of felt like a wasted year to do that. So that's the thing. I think what we're both pointing out Ashley is, look, if somebody's going to give you a million dollars to go play basketball somewhere, uh, you can't really get mad at anybody for doing that. Sure. But if the difference is like $100,000 at this time in your life. Again, uh, it's very easy to say a hundred grand is not a ton of money in that grand scheme of things there. But to be miserable – for another hundred grand, I don't know that I would make that decision myself. But then again, if if anyone wants to offer me hundred grand more to be miserable, uh, I can be reached, you can be reached actually. You know, we, <laughs> we could possibly be bought as well. We're open to NIL deals too.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, it's it, I think on paper, let's say that um, in a perfect world, you know, I think we both agree Keontae George and Adam Flagler are gone, flows out of eligibility. Although Adam, he's interesting. Like I'm, you know, I, I I expect he's he's such a rational, level-headed guy. He'll go through the draft process. I think that you know there's a world where you could put together a really nice nil deal for Adam Flagler if if he doesn't get the draft grade that he wants, and and where I'm not, I'll, I'll put the probability less than ten percent. But I think there's a world where he could possibly consider coming back, you know, for the right nil deal. Um, but, uh, but yeah, as far as Keontae, I think he's gone. Flo's gone. So now, you know, if, if Jordan Turner and Zach Loveday transfer, which I've heard no, no rumblings that they will, but I, I'm just assuming they, they will just because they're older players that haven't, you know, gotten the playing time by this t- point in their career. It seems logical that they would want to go seek a place where they can get playing time. I mean, would you agree with that? That's probably.
1: Seems a little unusual <laughs> to go through senior day in year three in a program if you're planning to be there longer.
0: Right. Uh, Right. And
1: Jordan Turner obviously has lots of eligibility left too. So that felt to me like a swan song.
0: Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, And Del Bonner will be an interesting one. What, what decision does he make? Uh, Probably will depend on who's returning, you know, and, and and what the roster looks like. Uh, LJ Cryer and Jalen Bridges are probably the the two that are most up in the air as far as guys that Baylor would be counting on next year. But, but as I pointed out in a thread on, on the premium boards, uh, Kendall, you know, Baylor's got a lot to offer if they, if one of those leave or both of them leave, I mean, that's 60 minutes of playing time, you know? So that's a, very attractive to guys like a James Akinjo or another Jalen Bridges. You know, you, when you have that much playing time to offer, you're going to find a really high quality replacement. Now you prefer someone that's been in your system. I mean, that's the ideal uh, because those are the players that I think can really, I I, I think Jalen Bridges could really show us some uh, Torian Prince senior year, you know. Um, potentially, he's got the measurables now. He's already going to be 22 this year, uh, so he'll be you know a little bit older. But uh, I think he has potential to to play his way into first round pick. But he's got to be an all conference player. He's got to be you know 12, 13, 14 points a game. He's got to shoot 40 percent from three. I mean, there's a lot of things he'll have to do to get there. But but I I think it's possible with him.
1: It is. He, he has NBA measurables. I think he's a smart guy. Uh, I talked to some of the GAs about him earlier in the season when he wasn't making any threes and they were like, we're telling you, he makes 16 out of 20 all the time in practice. So I think he could have a big shooting year next year and really improve himself. But it's also possible he goes through the process and somebody at the end of the second round is like, Hey, we'll take you or Hey, we'll guarantee you a two way deal. Right. And he decides to go.
0: Sure. Sure. And, and you can't fault him for that if he does. I mean, it's, it's not a sure thing that he'll improve his stock next year. You know, we've got, you know, three years of performing in the big 12 and his numbers are all pretty comparable those three years. Although, you know, last year was a Baylor two of those years with West Virginia. Uh, but, you know, I think, I think he's an interesting one, you know, that would really make a big difference if he comes back. If But if he doesn't, you know, Baylor will find somebody that's, uh, you know, going to be a great piece, you know, that'll fit in that spot. And the yeah. same thing was true with the LJ. You prefer LJ come back, you know, he knows the system so well, he's been, you know, so, Good for Baylor, and uh, you'd love for him to get a you know a degree from Baylor and uh, go out uh, with with even a better season next year. And he could you know he could be a guy that averages twenty points a game and makes over a hundred threes, and uh, you know leads the country in free throw per, uh, shooting. I mean, all, all those things you know could definitely happen for him. But you know, but he certainly uh, uh, you know would would have to be you know. An outstanding leader and, and really take ownership of that i think i think he and john and langston are the guys that i would look to for leadership next year anyway that's those those are just some random thoughts i you know i'm, I'm excited about the potential of the roster you know you got three five-star freshmen coming in uh jacoby walter is the one that's probably the most risk to be one and done um so you know you, you may have these guys for a couple years and and you know possibly jacoby for a couple years so uh, you can really build something great with those guys, and you know I do think they're they fit the mold of freshmen that might be able to, uh, especially Little and, and Walter, that might be able to be more consistent uh, college you know college players, a little taller, longer wingspan, coming in with more of a defensive DNA. So I, th- I think there's a potential that they'll be very effective on the college level.
1: I think so too. It's just so many unknowns with all these players this year and that's the that's the era of the portal and the era of a lot more guys just to go pro even if they don't get drafted.
0: Yeah. Well, it's uh it was it was a season for sure and there were some high highs. <laughs> UCLA beating Texas, beating Kansas, Gonzaga, that was great. I mean, you know, there were some there were some really great wins and uh, certainly some, you know, disappointments, you know, the, the loss to Creighton, is as lopsided as, as it was in the, in the uh, round of 32, uh, you'd hope for better. Uh, but you know what? It's um, Hope Springs Eternal, and, and one of the best roster builders in college basketball has proven himself to be that over and over again has been Scott Drew. The staff's outstanding, and I know they're going to put, you know, together a really competitive roster, and it's going to be exciting to watch them develop. Uh, there's going to be a foreign trip this year. I think they're going to France in August uh, so that'll be fun to watch uh those games if there is you know you usually there's some streaming option where you can you know watch those and so uh we'll get a good glimpse you know before the season starts of, of what this team looks like um but I just wanted to put a put a cap on the season and uh we'll look forward to next year and um you know good luck to all of the uh big twelve teams that are left and hopefully uh you know, Kansas State does well, and, and Texas um, suffers some really humiliating, uh, disappointing defeat before they get to the Final Four. They, are, they they go through Houston, right? They have to play Houston to get there,
1: yep, correct? Yep, that'd be the Elite Eight in Kansas City if the bracket holds. Okay,
0: so what's your take? Um, I'll give you my prediction. So, man, it's good as well as Tennessee I, – I have to think Tennessee is the favorite to come out of their region because they're playing Florida Atlantic, so they have the easier game. And then Kansas State, Michigan State play each other. Would you would you take the Vols to survive that region?
1: They're the best team in a long series. It just I don't know. Rick Barnes life feels like a series of heartbreaks now. <laughs> I'm gonna say Sparty gets it done.
0: Oh yeah, it's hard to hard to bet against them. They're playing some good ball. Uh then okay, let's see. The Alabama bracket would be um Creighton is gonna play Princeton. Princeton, that's a pretty easy match for them. I think I think the winner of that uh, Alabama-San Diego State game is is the one that goes to the Final Four. Is, is that your take, or do you think uh, Creighton can be us?
1: A... You know, it would be reasonable, actually, but when I consider uh, who I am as a human being, I uh, I, I cannot take Alabama to advance this <laughs> season, uh, so give me Creighton.
0: Gary Parrish had a little funny joke there. Um, when I was listening to his podcast, he said, you know, Nate Oates didn't even win uh, coach of the year in his league. I guess uh, you know those those uh, coaches weren't willing to pull the trigger on that or something like something <laughs> oh, to that man. effect. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, so okay, then we got we got the um, region with UCLA. So UCLA, for a fresh my memory, who gets UCLA? Do you do you remember? I think that's um, UConn. Isn't UConn in that? Uh, yeah,
1: UConn to the top. UConn plays Arkansas. Yep. Uh, and then. Texas plays Xavier,
0: but oh, UCLA Gonzaga. UCLA Gonzaga, ooh. So uh, UCLA Gonzaga, Arkansas, UConn, all in that region. Yep. Man, I I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be um man UCLA's a wounded duck. I I think I think it's gonna be Gonzaga, you know, uh, Gonzaga and uh, UConn, uh, in that elite eight matchup, and I think the Zags survive that. They're playing. They're playing well. I think they have the longest winning streak right now, 11 games in a row.
1: It's fair. I always take Baylor kind of as a joke, and also kind of because I like you know the Bears. Uh, since I didn't pick them in 2012, and <laughs> they lost to Kentucky since then, I was like, I can't ever pick a loss that comes true. So, but I did joke all season. I was like, this is a stupid year. It feels like we're due for another stupid UConn championship. Yeah, I know. So put me down for UConn making the final four. <laughs>
0: And then the other region is Houston, uh Texas plays Xavier and Houston plays who? Oh,
1: who's that for?
0: Yeah, I should've Four had five. this. should've had this uh top of mind. I'm trying to think who the other team that made oh, Miami. Like so oh, Houston yeah, plays Miami's Miami. Indiana. Yeah, so yeah, man, that's gonna that's those are gonna be good games.
1: Yep, yeah, I think Miami or excuse me, I think Houston, Houston will Texas. Be Miami. Yeah. I think Texas will win. Uh, I had Houston as my non-Baylor. I had Houston-Baylor as my preseason title pick. Yeah, but I hate to say it, but I think Texas is going to the Final Four.
0: Ooh, okay, I'm rooting hard for Houston, a, a true Same. Big Twelve team. So Houston, we got Houston. Maybe UConn or Gonzaga. We've got maybe Tennessee coming out, or or Kansas State, or Michigan State. Uh, probably not Ford, Florida Atlantic. That would be a surprise. And then, uh, then of course, the other bracket. Uh, we got Alabama. San Diego State or um, Creighton, you know, one of those teams probably. Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. It'd be fun to watch. I mean, yesterday I wanted nothing to do with basketball. After the game, uh, went to an Italian restaurant with some fellow Bears. We played credit card roulette. Have you ever played credit card roulette, Kendall?
1: You know, I'm familiar with the concept, but I'm fortunate <laughs> enough not to play that in my life.
0: <laughs> so we had like I think six guys put their credit card in the hat. We had the uh, waiter, you know, pick uh, credit cards out of the hat. And then the last one that they picked got to pay the bill. So so you knew which one it was going to be, uh, you know, so you're like celebrating each time a credit card gets picked out. And if it was yours, of course, you're very happy. Uh, so that was a pretty big bill that uh a guy named Chad, he, he wasn't even a Baylor fan. He was one of Donald Wright's friends. And he's an Arkansas fan. He put on Baylor gear and came and cheered for Baylor uh, during the tournament. But um, he got stuck with a pretty hefty bill. <laughs> so that was funny and then, <laughs> then we went then we watched the remainder of the gonzaga uh, tcu game and uh you know i mean we, we just i mean we just had to cheer for gonzaga just because of you know how great marfio has been and how close he's gotten and he's never gotten over the hump and and so we were ro- rooting hard for that you know just for uh gonzaga to win you know nothing against tcu at all we just we just thought that would be more appropriate for the Zags to to take that game so all right, man, kudos to the Baylor fans. Did you stay and watch that by chance?
1: The Gonzaga game? Yes. No, uh, I was hitting up the locker room to watch people cry around me <laughs> and be sad.
0: <laughs> I do admire how many Baylor fans actually stayed and watched that. And I know a lot of them were probably cheering for TCU and Conference Pride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that, you know, some of them secretly were like, hey, the only way that I'm going to be consult consultant tonight is to watch the expressions on these TCU fans as they leave the building after Gonzaga beats them and it's a it's a big risk and I also want to give one final shout out before we uh, put a close to the podcast I, I sat by Makai Mason uh, during the game and you know for a guy that only played one year at Baylor man he's all into Baylor I had some incredible comments during the game you know he he kind of lived and died with every possession uh, just that was just cool to see you know sometimes you'd think these guys just rent Baylor but uh, here's a guy that's been graduated for a few years and Ah, uh, Flo Thamba. He actually played with Flo Thamba. was the only guy on the roster still left that he played with. Oh but my
1: God! Does that make you feel old, <laughs> <with your flow? laughs>
0: Uh But yeah, it was, it was, he was—he was just like so positive about the program and the culture and uh, what Baylor meant to him. Uh, got to meet his lovely wife, he who he met in Spain playing professional ball. So he's—he's—he's he's, he's hung it up. No, no more basketball for Mackay M- M- Mason. But uh, certainly a Baylor legend for all the great performances he had, including. Ripping Syracuse in the first round of the NCAA tourney, and then of course the 40 piece on TCU in Waco was was a glorious night as well. So I guess that's the end of this uh, Ring by Spring podcast. We'll have to come up with a new name next year because maybe the 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 name kind of jinxed it. But uh, it's been man, you've been awesome with your coverage. I just want to say thank you for all you've done uh, to keep us uh, excited about the team and following the team, and uh, been a pleasure to to do these with you, Kendall.
1: I uh, always enjoy Ashley, and I appreciate the comments and always love reading your stuff, too. And Hopefully next year it goes a little bit longer.
0: Yes, sir. You've been listening to a Ring by Spring, Didn't Happen This Year podcast with Ashley Hodgkin, Kendall Kaut, Sick and Bears.